He's right here in front of me, and I can honestly tell him that I'm going to knock him spark out. Leaping right hand by the Prince. Ooh. And a hard left. And Kelly's down for the third time. Bloody hell. Welcome to Off The Brawl. I'm Ronan Mullen, back from New York, joined by the champ, Andy Lee. Andy, how are things? Grand, how are you? Too bad, and Akil's adopted son, Phil Egan. What's the crack? Oh, good, yeah. Did you wake up in the early hours of Sunday morning, or did you wake everyone else around you more? Ah, uh, I I, my strategy got a bit sidetracked as of the Champions League final. I, I brought my Sky card to Akil for the weekend, tanked up. <laughs> Six times, Phil. Yeah. And uh, watched the Champions League final, went went out after. I was like, right, keeping an eye. I was, like, I was home in time for the Katie Taylor fight. I was like, this is great. This is like, I'm going to watch Katie Taylor and I'm going to watch Joshua and Ruiz. And I was struggling now with the Katie Taylor fight. I just couldn't stay awake. I gave up. As I closed the eyes on the armchair, uh, woke up and Joshua was coming into the ring. I was like, okay, I'm awake now. Let's stay up for this one. So I stayed up for that. Obviously, I watched Katie the next day, which is probably a better idea anyway. I didn't stay awake, and I woke up to a WhatsApp from you, like, what was it? I WTF? Or what was something it? Something like that. <laughs> See, that, I, I, yeah. But I said, what has happened? Yeah. yeah. Um, no. Spoiler alert. Yeah. I should have, because that's oh. why I always stay off my phone. But if, if you say spoiler alert, people know there's something coming up as well. Yeah. So, yeah. His socks were pre-blown when he saw the uh, saw what went down. But today's episode is sponsored by Snickers. Much like Andy Ruiz, we're powered by Snickers today. And we'll get to that fight. Not yeah. really, but kind of spiritually. Spiritually? Yeah. Well, Andy Ruiz has shown Snickers is the way forward, so uh, there are other bars available. I just gave up my... I handed in my gym membership. Yeah. yeah. So, Gerald McLennan used to eat a Snickers before every fight. Apparently, Manuel used to tell me that. Really? Yeah. yeah. That makes sense. Peanuts, chocolate. So, some fighters don't care. Like, Terence Crawford has basically a fry-up before he fights and one of the best fighters in the world. So there's no perfect science as much as people like to think that there is. Um, we'll get to that fight in a second with Ruiz and Joshua, but we should start with Ireland's first undisputed champion, Shane Ross. Or, sorry. <laughs> yeah, actually, was Shane Ross waiting for you in the airport when you came oh, home? God, I, I just can't believe that. Like. <laughs> you can, though. What a disgraceful act. In all, in all seriousness. No, no, I, I agree. I, I was disgusted because when they walked through, Brian Peters, like, really? his manager, is there and... Brian, like, is ousted from the picture. He just no. He when steps he, back. He, yeah, he gives a hard moment. Yeah, exactly. And like Brian, of all people, would like you know he's been involved in the whole journey since Katie Taylor went professional, and you know he steps back. The other lad, though. What does he think he's going to gain from it? He wants to be unreeling in the years and like ten. What years does he think he's going to gain from it? Like it's going to go from the FBI. He's not involved. The FBI thing to uh, Katie Taylor unreeling in the years, twenty nineteen. Does he think that by him being in the photograph, people are going to think he's associated with Katie Taylor? Like, he's, he's had a hand in her becoming undisputed world champion. Yeah, even well, though you, you know, not have any less to do with it. But yeah. You can imagine there's probably some uh, news reporter in a different country saying, and Ireland's Katie Taylor was welcomed home, and they'll be like, 
and she's accompanied by her promoter there, and it'll be the big picture of Shane Ross. They don't yeah. know who he Mr. is. Smithers. Oh, what's his name, Mr. Brand? <laughs> <laughs> In the background. Uh, uh, we won't give him any more airtime. We no. should stick to Katie, and uh, it's not unusual for there to be a bit of contention around an Irish boxing decision, but for once, it was a close fight, and we were on the right side of it, and Andy, you were one of the people who came out and said Katie was a clear winner. Just break down how you saw the fight. I had a 6-4, as I said. Um... I should have brought in the scorecard I have with me, but I think you could only give, well, the first five rounds, you could only give person one, and that was probably the second. Mm. Even that, I just watched it And back it could there. have been a draw, it could have easily, like, it's very hard, like, scoring rounds draws is, is tough. Like, judges are always told to, if you can, preference a winner and a loser in a round. We can see the official scorecards on the screen. There's actually I a lot exactly like this, you know. There's a lot of variance. Rounds, rounds nine, like, I thought rounds two and rounds nine Either of them could have won. You could have th like I think you could switch either of those out and have a winner in either rounds. But I soon finished stronger. But Katie had enough in the bank and maintained. I thought going down the stretch and won a couple of those la later rounds. So I thought she was. I don't think it's a close fight. They're always going to be close when you have two champions, closer than anybody expected. Yeah. And I think that has a big part to play in it. Also, two minute rounds as well. Mm. But even the, the second round before we come on here. I looked at the second round and Pursun landed some good shots in the last 30 seconds. But before that, she was, did yeah. the better work. And she was doing that smart thing where you finish the round f strong, Pursun, yeah. you know, and it kind of catches the eye, it leaves a lasting impression that, that you've dominated or won the round. I was, as I was watching it as well, because Pursun has fought all the time, he has fought in Belgium, apart from that one fight in Switzerland, I was thinking, if that fight's in Belgium, Pursun probably gets it. Oh, yeah. yeah. And you have to take... You also have to take that into consideration. We, you know, we spoke about with Dennis Hogan and Jaime Maniga and, and going in against a champion. Now, that Katie and Persuna are both champions, but Katie, home you fighter. would say, would be the home fighter, the more established fighter, the bigger name. Yes, I do. It's her, her promotion. And you have to do more. You have to do more as a challenger. Mm. You have to do a lot more. You're not playing on it. It's not an even playing field. It's not... Yeah, that's historically. From, you always have to take it from a yeah. champion. And we've been on the wrong end of it for uh, Irish boxing. Terms. She's not. It's not. A, it's like yeah, I know what I'm saying. She's. Been on, we have been on the wrong end of it a lot. But this is not that. It's not one of those. This is a win. No, it is. It is to me. I, what did you think? Yeah, what no, I, think, like, absolutely. And the, the feeling in the arena. I think, and then there's a different thing watching a fight yeah, in the arena. Like there was. There's moral victories. Discontent in the crowd a little bit. And you can kind of sense it in the, the mood of the Taylor camp that they felt a little bit of a low ebb just because of the reaction. And I was sitting beside a Belgian journalist who was like, do you know, this is a joke. Yeah. So like it's Did hard to say that makes up for <laughs> Bordeaux in 2016. So, uh, yeah, so it was one of those where I was kind of being a little bit, but I thought it was, it felt like a draw at the time. Yeah. It felt like 50-55. And I thought that, you know what I think was why Katie and her people were so down or something? Because she didn't fight the plan. Mm. I, didn't, I don't think that was ever the plan. But Katie is her own worst enemy that she gets drawn in all the time to fights. Yeah. Uh, and wanted to scrap and, and brawl. We talked and about it last week. Yeah. And she, she was so much better technically. But she's already proven that she can do that. She doesn't need to, like... To brawl. Get in these exchanges, yeah. Mm. But that's, I think, that's where that kind of feeling where, you know, because Ross, you know, I, I have to admit, um, he was quite good in the corner. What he was saying, he, I thought he was very good in the corner. Really good. And even Brian Peters was saying, just box her all night, box her all night. And that's all she had to do. But any time she got put, got put up to her, mm. she had to respond because she is who she is. That's her character, you know? And while 
for soon in terms of her output is a little bit unorthodox. We've, it's kind of been our calling card going into this fight. She actually cut the ring off really well, I thought. Mm. Like her, her movement with her feet was quite good, even if what was going on at the top, Katie couldn't quite read. Mm. But it, as you said, she kind of forced her to exchange at times. Yeah, well, she, like, Prasun was walking forward, but. And Taylor was walking back, back in straight, straight lines. lines. And the thing was, Katie's foot movement was kind of a, a plodding, not a, no, she wasn't hopping, she was kind of stepping, stepping, stepping. And it kind of gave the impression that she was tired because it looked like she was in retreat yeah. in a negative way and also in a kind of a tired kind of the way she was just slow plodding backward step instead of being up on her toes hopping hopping like and skipping back and also Pursun was walking forward but slightly angling in her march forward to Pursun's left yeah. so Katie had to circle to the right mm. and what that was doing was she was leaving herself walking onto the right hand of Pursun smart smart fight like I know it's crude but she was smart in her own way um there are so many dynamics to defense and boxing. People do it different ways, and obviously Katie was just trying to step back, make her fall short, and then come back over. But if you have to get that so right, and if you get it wrong, you're going to get caught on the way out, and that's what kept happening to her. Um, yeah, no, you look back at so the first couple of rounds, she's boxing to the plan, and I think then she kind of reverted back to it in the, the sixth round. It was where it's one you, of her best rounds. Yeah, you were just thinking that's how you win, but. We talked about it last week, how if she gets dragged into a war, like against McCaskill, where much better boxer, and it's just her nature, yeah, is just to say, right, let's go toe-to-toe. But, like, the last round, like, if there was a bit longer left in the round, you're wondering what was was going to happen. And another thing that kind of struck me is that Pursun kind of just... She's a slow starter, usually, but did she just suss out Katie Taylor at the start think, I want to see what her power is like? And if the power is power an issue because the amateur game is all about getting in combinations, score your points, and I know Katie Taylor has talked about it before, trying to sit down on her punches more to create more power, but it just seemed to me like towards the end of the fight, Pursuant just walking through her, just like a machine. At times, very crude, I kind of thought maybe... She's going to get a point taken off her at, at some stage for soon because she was... Dirty. Should have. Dirty. Like, three times on or after the bell, she, she hit Katie and shots behind the back of the head. And granted, Taylor just, would come back yeah. like any time. She had to respond yeah, to exactly. That's what like, a fighter has to do. But she never initiated it. It was always in retaliation. This is where like, person just jumps straight into the shoulder, right under the chin. And like, I don't know, like, yeah, I don't want to criticize her. Eventually they are both at it, but Katie was, like you said, was only doing it in response. Um, like Katie's we talk, she's talking about sitting down on her feet and some of that footwork when she was moving back is trying to adapt to be more, more of a professional kind of but with person she needed to be she needs to box like an amateur and she's a great combination puncher that's, her, that's one of her strengths but with somebody like person you only need to throw one or two punches and have an authoritative jab and always know where once you throw that punch where you're going to go after the punch whether you're going to take your head to the left to the right whether you're going to roll out or where you're going to pop, bounce back and it, depending on the situation you're in in that moment have an answer of what you're going to do and know what before you punch and I think like Katie could have just let one or two punches one two straight one two and a forward jab and then even a lead right hand when person was marching forward and also there were like person is a person who has to set herself and, and have a she's kind of got that my, well, like her, her foot, front foot, her lead foot, like she takes a huge step up, oh, lifts her heel off the floor and everything. Yeah. And that's easily, ti- like you can easily time that. Yeah. Um, and so there'd be, inst- there'd be times where Katie could have timed her a lot, lot better and caught, like after the exchange, moved around, maneuvered around, and then caught 
pursuing with punches when Pursuing was trying to reorganise, you know, when she wasn't ready to exchange. Um, but I think Katie gave her the initiative too much, a little bit too much. But just, I think if there's a rematch, which there seems to be now, mm. then I think Katie will win handy if she just follows the plan and doesn't get drawn in. And that's what she has to do now. It's safe to say Katie can change her approach in the event of a rematch, whereas Pursuing is kind of, that's the way she's going to be. And she, it was quite refreshing in the press conferences, she was sort of saying, if this is a boxing match, I have no chance, I have to make it a bar in brawl, I think she said. So that's what it turned out to be at times. And, like, if the fight does materialise the rematch, you, you just fancy Katie to get the job done a lot cleaner if she just sticks to her boxing. Yeah, and I, I think it will be tough. It's always going to be a tough fight with her. It's yes. always going to be a hard match because Katie will, well, whatever happens at one moment or another, she will have to fight. She will yeah. fight because of who she is. But she could she could have a lot more round sixes. Yeah, from, uh, and especially round six, she was fantastic. She was beautiful boxing. One like, of the best yeah. rounds from an Irish boxer in a, in a world title fight, probably just the Paul Matador sort of dynamic. And, and considering what she'd done up to that point in terms of how tired they both were, the punches she had taken, the punches she had landed. It's just a difficult uh, thing to do, I imagine, to uh, once you're in the trenches like that, to maybe... To change, to yeah. switch, because once you start down a certain path in a fight, whether you start slow, fast, whether you be aggressive or box, it's very hard to switch it up. Mm. Um, but look, I, some part of me feels like I'd love to see Katie Taylor just retire now and sail off into the sunset as unified champion. And in three months, no one's going to remember this was a disputed decision. And it's not. I, I like, actually feel even in the last couple of days, it's gone from that contention to people have finally sort of parked it and realised yeah, it was a really close fight. Katie won watch it. the fight back, like yeah. not like. I've, you know, two in the morning if you've been out watching the Champions League <laughs> final and you're just, you have to actually try and detach yourself from yeah. all the emotion and when I saw you tweeting that you'd watched it, I knew you would have watched it with the sound down and just, you have an idea of what you're looking for and you can award round by round. It's round by round, exactly. It's not who finished the fight stronger. If it's yeah. a street fight and there's yeah. no rounds, then you think, <laughs> oh, well, he's won it because he's won Like, you know what I mean? He's yeah. last, outlasted you. And, or who's got the most damage in their face. Yeah. Like, that's and I don't, don't not to be the hurling snob about it and start saying people don't know what they're looking at, but, like, there's an elemental thing about boxing where people think they, like, everyone has had, like, a little scrap or whatever and can probably think they know what they're looking at, but... It's like just when you have a black eye after sparring and people yeah. are like, oh, you've, you've, you've really got it today. Someone's really put a who did that to you, you know what I mean? People probably looking at Pursuing uh, marching forward the entire time, throwing punches relentlessly and thinking, oh, well, she's the theme of the fight is that Pursuing is on top, whereas it's punches scored and clean punches scored. A lot of Pursuing shots weren't in the scoring zones and behind the head and, and all this kind of stuff. So, or Also as well, was it a factor that we're so used to Katie Taylor being dominant that when we saw yeah. somebody put it up to her, then people say, well, this is the toughest fight she's ever been in, so hence we're going to mark her down on it. Yeah, no, that, that's an excellent point. Like, I think it was, we were being creditable to pursue, like, oh, that's mm. better than most people do against Katie, let's give her that round. And then after a while, you're giving a round, she probably didn't merit. And at the time, or having watched it back even, I thought Katie won five of the first seven rounds. So even by that metric, if you want to be extremely generous to pursue in the back end of the fight, Katie only needs a share of a round or one round to win the fight and that's what happened and the judges like they were they have the best view in the house and that's what they concluded what was your view like well at the time I, like i was getting a little bit nervous to be honest because after it was so competitive and we sort of gave out about two minute rounds i don't know what the quite quite the right word is but like two minute rounds aren't always ideal in women's boxing but it actually helped this fight in terms of the pace was fantastic and you could see by the reaction 
leaving the scoring to one side, a lot of prominent boxers were saying it's one of the best fights I've ever seen. Yeah. Certainly the best women's boxing match I've probably ever seen. So Yeah, that's important as well, that it was a really good fight. And those people that have knocked women's boxing or say it doesn't belong yeah. in, in the pro ranks, I mean, after watching that, it's, it's hard to argue why women's boxing shouldn't be there. I just find it ironic that every time Katie picked up a belt and she's obviously got the full set now, it's like, oh, sure, who's she fighting? And the fights aren't competitive. And then she has a competitive fight and everyone's like, oh, that fight was way too competitive. Like, so, uh, I don't know. So, um, looks like a rematch. Just speaking to the team after it, it seemed they probably had tentative plans for what they were going to do. Had the win been a bit more routine, like stay in New York and there's talk of Heather Hardy probably and someone in New York based and Katie could headline the show but I think the best thing is to just have the rematch and we'll get on to it it looks like uh, Joshua Ruiz is going to be a rematch so that'll be a good double header again maybe and it's an easy one to build for Sky you know rematch revenge all this kind of stuff so that's probably the best course of action yeah now I'd, I'd, I'd watch it again and I just I'd be interested to see what Katie herself is like when she looks back at the fight is like how critical is she of herself? Where oh, she hugely, I'd say, yeah, yeah she probably wouldn't give herself enough credit, you know. But like, that's probably the best cause of action for us as fans and for the promoters. But probably Brian Peters probably thinking if he could get away with it, I'm not sure if he can give her a couple of easier fights, defend a title, like that kind of stuff, and then like have a, the rematch. Yeah. You know, next year in the summer at some point. But uh, can they? Can they swing that? Can they actually? It's probably tough. Can they can, can they get away with it? That's that's the that's the thing. I don't think anyone will. And, we'll, and Katie will want to get back in there. So her her mandate will be to Brian and to Eddie Han. I want to fight her soon again. So don't don't. That's come yeah. Back. That was the yes. word from Katie Taylor when she arrived at the airport on Tuesday, saying, you know, give me the fight again. Whereas Brian Peters was a bit more tentative, where he said. There will be a rematch, but we do have plans for something beforehand. Mm. Yeah, Maybe Pursun needs a fight, another fight outside Belgium. Maybe, you know, the problem is we you end up with the same thing as was happening with Anthony Joshua now. Someone could likely beat her, mm. and then and mm. then the fight's gone. Yeah, and but that that would be that would be good for Brian Peters, I think. <laughs> Katie, <laughs> they'd be quite happy if it did happen. And, like, obviously, the, the grand plan at the start of 2019 was beat Volante, beat Pursun, Amanda Serrano in December. Amanda Serrano has a little bit of cold feeder, so it seems. Um, but I think if that fight was made for December, I think people would, because it's such a super fight, that if it wasn't Pursun, that's probably an option. And Katie was on record talking to us, saying that... Uh, Pursuing a harder fight than Serrano, and physically it, it is like it's just uh, technically Serrano's on another level to pursue, and it's probably more of a chess match than than what transpired the other night. But you can you can see what it, she meant; like it was pretty much borne out. So the rematch is probably the most likely, and we're on course for a massive one in the heavyweight division after Andy Ruiz shocked the world at Madison Square Garden. This was Mike Costello's take on the closing stages. Ruiz mounts another attack. Joshua in trouble, and Joshua goes down for the third time in the contest in the seventh round. He's up almost immediately. The referee gets to six and to seven and to the mandatory eight. He has a good look at Joshua, but there are two minutes and 15 seconds to go in round number seven. Are we about to witness one of the great heavyweight upsets? Joshua tries a couple of left hooks. He's still fighting back. And now Ruiz opens up a left hook, a right hand. 
and Joshua goes down again for the second time in a round. Joshua is looking like a beaten man. He's listening to the count. The referee reaches the mandatory eight. Joshua spits out the gum shield. He won't be allowed to continue without the gum shield being replaced. The referee's talking to him over in the corner. There's drama here and absolutely everybody at ringside on their feet and the referee has waved it off. We have seen one of the most sensational upsets in the history of Madison Square Garden, in the history of heavyweight boxing. Anthony Joshua has been stopped by Andy Ruiz Jr. in the seventh round. All the talk of Deontay Wilder, of Tyson Fury, can be silenced. Andy Ruiz has just thrown a grenade into the heavyweight landscape. The boy who was bullied at school, who was laughed at at the final press conference, they will be laughing no more. Andy Ruiz Jr. on a quite unforgettable night here becomes Mexico's first world heavyweight champion taking in the celebrations as Anthony Joshua stands disconsolate in the corner on the far side of the ring beaten for the first time in his professional career he is no longer the world heavyweight champion what a night what a fight there you go, the incomparable uh, Mike Costello there. His comms of round three, well worth seeking out as well. Uh, this part of the show might be a bit all over the place because there's a lot to mm. digest and we probably jump around a little bit. Just to go back to Mike Costello, that line it has to be one of the best lines that Andy Ruiz threw grenade. Ah, oh, it's class. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, because it's perfect like, landscape. Yeah. It, and did it, like that guy does it in the moment. You know, he's yeah. doing the, like he does a lot of preparation. Like when I've worked with him, he, the night before he'd go and talk to anybody. He'd spend it in his room, and he's got like he comes with a stack of notes like that for every fighter. But for a lot of times, he's just in the moment and he's calling as he sees it in real time. And Mike Costello is. Oh, he's, he's, he's just to sit beside him. It's like, you're, you're, you're like, you know, you're witnessing something by being there. And he's the, like, because of his health issues, unfortunately, he missed the Joshua Klitschko fight. I think McIntosh got the call for that one. But it's great that he got. He's got a few brilliant fights of, of late, especially Fury against Wilder. And this one, you know, his voice is now forever attached to these fights and it's it's a great thing um, just to as I said there's a lot to get into but yeah, what we do know is Andy Ruiz is the heavyweight champion of the world yeah. Mexico's first ever um, the destroyer and Carl Frampton said afterwards it's the biggest shock he's ever experienced in boxing I'd, I'd say he probably meant in the arena but probably broadly speaking as well it's up there where do you contextualise it Andy where is it for you well you're waking up the next day and like I know you guys have been saying we the reality has changed, and you know? that was like a shift. Because in your mind, going to sleep that night or in the lead up, like, you just think, ah, oh, this is a foregone, foregone conclusion. Like, and um, even the demeanors, like, the week of the fight. <laughs> oh, that's great. We're just looking at Andy Ruiz <laughs> leaping for joy. The, 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 the week of the fight, you could just see how happy Anthony Joshua was and how. Like it just like I just thought this is just gonna he's just gonna walk in and business as usual guy, yeah. yeah blast through this guy and and Rui seemed pretty happy to be there like he was he had nothing to lose and and no one gave him a shot except him no one really believed in himself except him mm. and um, up to put it in like it's probably not bigger than Mike Tyson and Buster Douglas. But it's probably just mm -hmm. right behind it's up that. there. Yeah, but the, like a lot of people have been 
draw on those comparisons. So Buster Douglas has been brought up a lot. You've got Foreman against Michael Moore. And then you've got even Lennox Lewis had a couple against Oliver McCall, uh, Hasim Rackman. But the difference with those, those were Hollywood, one shot, turned the tide and it was all over. Whereas from the start, even though the first two rounds were quite quiet, systematically Andy Ruiz was breaking Joshua down. And especially the third round was where it all sort of blew up. And <laughs> in some sense, Joshua knocking him down was the worst thing he did because it closed the distance and it let Ruiz get his, his little arms off like because um, obviously the, the height differential and the reach differential but by closing the gap Joshua opened the door for Ruiz and Ruiz bowled right through it Yeah, like I, I was interested to see the reaction in the corner after the first round so Rob McCracken who's taken a lot of flack since the, the defeat and you know Lennox Lewis calling for Joshua to train his uh, or to change his trainer but he just his, extra, his instructions to Joshua were just keep jabbing up and down, keep it long, don't rush and don't let your hands down. That's what his instructions were at the end of the first round and even after the third round he said you got to tie him up. You know, you can't let him get inside you and it's amazing that when he got, when Joshua got the, the when he knocked him down he thought this is going to be it, this is just like, it's going to be the routine finish but something inside Andy Ruiz just triggered or he's like if I'm going down, I'm going to go down swinging. Mm. And, uh, he actually said that, yeah. yeah the Mexican in me came out, I was like, if you're going to put me down, I'm going to have to put you down. And he'd never been on the canvas before. No. So we're what talking a reaction. About, we're talking about Joshua uh, kind of wilting under the pressure, but Ruiz was in a situation he'd never been familiar with before as well. When you yeah. look at that exchange in round three, after, <clears throat> after he dropped Ruiz, the punches, there was, I don't know how many punches were thrown, there could have been 20, but everyone from Joshua was a hard, hard, like it's, it's, he was basically buying down and throwing everything he had in those punches with no regard for defense or what was coming back at him. And when you're like that, you're totally exposed and you're totally at your, no, you're at your weakest point because anything that you get clipped with, it's going to put you down because you're using all of your momentum, all of your power is being used against you in that in that instance, and that's exactly what happened. Like, yeah, um, it was in, it was in, like it was some turnaround. It seems it? like ancient history now, but the the press conference was a bit of a farce, like because Joshua handed him the belts and it just felt that's like it, it, it felt like, like he was a fan. And it was actually Ruiz just played us all because he said all along, oh, "I I'm going to win this fight," and everyone's like, "Oh, good one." But he, he believed it. And Manny Robles, more significantly, like speaking to him, he's not, he's not a messer. Like, and he was saying, we've got a game plan. And they did. Because like, every time Joshua threw a single shot, it was like a tripwire reflex. It was as if he was told, every time Joshua throws a single shot, you come back with a combination. And how many people can do that in heavyweight boxing? He's got the fastest hands in the division, arguably. And then the other thing, which is very notable, body work. Like, Dillian White hurt Joshua to the body. And it was actually a similar left hook that... Uh, Ruiz knocked Joshua down on the temple, but yeah. White was a lot more clean. But it was also a left hook that almost like think how different the landscape would be if White had a stepped on the gas pipe. Probably back White in there. Probably White in in Madison Garden. It could have been, yeah. But yeah, Ruiz definitely. Yeah, you could see kind of from round six, he, there was a definite shift in body work. He was yeah. looking at Joshua's body and. Joshua just looked like he was he was gassed out, but it wasn't like when you're when you're such a big, tall, robotic guy, yeah, um, and you're fighting someone shorter than you, and he's made, what Ruiz did was was so smart. He didn't punch first; 
He didn't come in punching. He just stood there. He had a steady march forward with his hands quite high. And he yeah. just was taking what was coming, taking what was coming. And then as soon, like you said, as soon as it comes, pop, 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 pop. It was interesting, and, wasn't it? And he just, he was like, just creating an anxiety and yeah. like a, like an insecurity in Joshua all the time, you know. And that's why Joshua wasn't really comfortable jabbing because he was falling short and he wasn't landing. He knew every time he threw, it was coming back. And there was something quicker coming back at him. And, um, the, the difference in speed was was quite, you know, it wasn't shocking, but it was like you could see straight away that this guy has way faster hands than Joshua. Yeah. Joshua wouldn't have been known to be that slow. No. You know, that like, even for a big, robust fella, he was always quite fast, with it, especially with the right hand. And he just like, it was a very good game plan. Very good, oh, right, very great strategy that they just let him come, let him come, and then pop, pop, pop with him, punch with him. Because that, when you're punching with somebody, you're taking away all their advantages of height and reach because you're in the exchange. Yeah. So it was really smart. I think as well that at the end of one of the rounds, you could kind of briefly hear Ruiz and Robles talking and I'm pretty sure I heard Ruiz saying, I took his right hand. Because in the third round, he took a whopper of a right hand off Joshua after the knockdown and he was still there. So that's when I started thinking... She's this lad ain't look going. At Ruiz, look, like, everyone, look at his belly, look at his pipe. But one thing you should look at, look at his neck. His neck is like, he's got his neck and he's got no chin because his neck is so big, you know what I mean? His neck is yeah. huge. And he can take a punch. Mm. That's like, like, that's probably the only <laughs> physical uh, advantage he has on, on Joshua is that he has a huge neck. And that obviously t helps him take, p take big punches. Yeah, so when he was put ones. down, he got up and it, like... He, he held the punch better than Joshua did. And what, what, like, we can get into the conspiracy theories now, there's a lot floating around, but, like, what was shocking was, oh, like, just, just was like, what's going on here? It's how, how readily acceptable oh. it was for Joshua and how he accepted it, even while it was happening, that he was on the ground. There was no desperation, there was no disbelief, there was no, uh, like, you can always put it, take something aside because you can say he's concussed, he doesn't know where he is, he's not acting in, in his right mind, but the fact that he was just getting put down and didn't recover after the third round and was always shaky after that, and just that he was just openly accepting that this was happening to him, Yeah. and there was no fire. Like when you say when Ruiz was put down, he bit down, he took took his chance, and, and when they're fighting, Joshua just was like, okay. Oh, yeah, I'll take this. The end. Like, like, what do we make of the end? And like, he spits out the yeah. the mouthpiece, and but then he's he's leaning on the ropes. He's yeah, trying he's to just, buy time. Yeah. I think he's trying to buy time. He's trying. He thinks he'll get away with it. That the referee will take him out and walk him around. And well, the referee, the referee let him off the hook because at Big the end time, of the yeah. third round, if it was role reversal, that was, fight was over. He would have called it, but he gave Joshua the benefit of the doubt. And um, I don't know. It was just such a weird vibe. His reaction didn't seem right after the fight either. He didn't. He said uh, it was a great effing fight and all this kind of stuff. It's like a champion shouldn't really be reacting like that. I'm sure he's like the night, the morning after, he was like a little bit gutted. He has that. a bit of like form that like after his fights, where he grabs the microphone, does big speeches, and you're always like, it's a bit weird. I always, you know, yeah. it's a bit weird. Like he's so PR savvy. It's almost as if he didn't know how to react. It's <clears> like he's got this humble persona, and he probably thought he had to maintain that. I don't think anyone would have begrudged him sort of being a bit annoyed. Like, you saw Pursuing after her fight, granted, very different context, but she was out of the ring. But like, that's yeah. the desire you want to see. Yeah. That's, that's what you want to see. And, I, like, I was on last night with, with, with Joe on, on Off the Ball, and, like, a fighter loses a fight, or is on the way to losing a fight, 
it means so much because if you, like it's your livelihood it's how you earn your living and it's it's your pride it's your pride as a man that you're in a fight and people are watching you and you don't want to give anything away you don't want to lose of course you're a competitive person but also it's how you make your living and there's always that like you know if you lose a fight you're not going to be a sellable you're not going to get a re- you're not going to get a re- most fighters won't get a rematch most fighters won't get another shot until six seven months where they'll have to start again at the bottom fighting if you can bums and then get try and might not never get another shot at title but like that's <clears throat> with Joshua he's never had that he's never faced that desperation because he's always been a superstar in the sense that he's always had plant, been made lots of money sold out arenas and I don't think like it's a different reality for him from most fighters and that's why there wasn't that desperation you think like he's not he's not that kind of natural he doesn't have that natural instinct of an out and out fighter where you know he's as you say, he's well marketed. He's used to winning, and he doesn't have that fighter's instinct. Maybe that because you know he took boxing up quite late, mm. and he, you know he wouldn't have been you know that that young kid in the gym at a young age. And this is part of the journey. And when you're in the the depths of it, and you're you're under pressure, you think back to these times like I didn't do all this hard work for nothing. I just thought, yeah, it's not that he. It just seemed. All too accepting. Like, like, not only have you lost, but let's be honest, like you're a laughing stock now for. Yeah, because well, that's yeah. Like, I'm, this, I'm not this, trying to take anything away from Ruiz. The, like, we'll get into the conspiracy theories in a minute. I'm not sure if you. Like, I, after the fight, I watched an interview with Dillian, uh, not Dillian, with Jerry Shizara outside the ring, and it's just, it's maybe a 40 second interview with, with IFL, and they're like, Dillian, what's your reaction? And he was like, I blame a lot of people for this. I blame a lot of people. This wouldn't have happened if it was in England. Uh, he's a laughing stock now. And, he's laughing. and that is the reality. Mm. That Because not that he didn't lose to Fury. He didn't lose to Wilder. He lost to Andy Ruiz. And people are only going to look at Andy Ruiz. They're not going to look at the boxing record. They're not going to look at his skills or that. They're going to look at this guy who's obese, who's short, and he's really nice. And that's who beat up Anthony Joshua. You know, this this knockout artist, this yeah. knockout machine from, from England, you know, and it's... Yeah. On his US like, debut. This is like, <laughs> I'm not sure if you'll ever face this. I don't know if he's in, like, Manuel told me, like, and he's been compared now to Vladimir, who's had big losses like this against guys who's supposed to be. Um, but Emmanuel told me when he's, like, after the Brewster loss for Vladimir, like, um, they were walking down the street in New York with Vladimir. I think they were announcing the Samuel Peter fight, which was the following fight. And there's, like, Emmanuel's very well known. So this homeless guy comes up to Emmanuel. Now, Vladimir's saying, Oh, Emmanuel Stewart, Emmanuel Stewart, great to see you, great to meet you. Blah, blah, blah. Oh, Klitschko, man, you're a bad motherfucker, you're a bad, this and that, you know? Um, that was a great fight with Lennox Lewis. And Emmanuel um, uh, said, No, that's, that's his brother. And he's like, Man, you got your ass beat, man. You ain't like. And like, and like, Emmanuel just said, like, Vladimir just went, like, he just yeah. shrunk, you know, like, shrunk down to. And that's what, that's probably what Andrew Joshua, like, he's in, maybe probably still in New York now, who knows. But when he walks around the street, when he sees somebody, no, people are going to be having a little laugh behind his back. People are going to be like, and that's the reality of things. That's, yeah. that's it, like, you know. Maybe he doesn't care if he's sitting in his mansion with whatever, you know, yeah. <laughs> driving his Bentley and living his life and staying humble. Like, I don't know. It, it was but, funny, like, the questions being asked of him before the fight, we weren't getting, we were getting the usual token Anthony Joshua answers, but Carter Frampton got an interesting one from him um, when he asked him about the Klitschko fight, and Joshua said, oh, if I have any more like that, I might just pack it in. And we said it wasn't going to be like Naz against Kevin Kelly, and it actually turned out to be an up-and-down sort of yeah. fight. And 
like you can't have too many more of them, especially in the heavyweight division if, if you're up and down. But like it's difficult. I saw Julian Williams tweeting about people calling him a quitter, and there's a few fighters, notably Wilder, has come out and called him a quitter. But like after getting up four times, it's hard to call someone a quitter necessarily. But um, it's an interesting point you made, Phil, about him not being a natural-born fighter because like Ruiz is. He's boxed since he was a kid, and it's in the blood. Boxed like as an amateur kind of from Mexico, um, so I think he won a hundred fights as an amateur. So, like when when both fighters are tired and hurt, the muscle memory and the natural reflexes are with Ruiz. So he's doing instinctual things that just aren't in Joshua. He's so such a systematic sort of thinker, whereas Ruiz is throwing shots that just come naturally to him. Like even the con, yeah. And I think and it was just, he wasn't prepared for that reality to happen, like for him to be in that position yeah. on the floor. Like, and also when you're concussed, you don't, you don't know why, what's going on anyway. But like, the, like, it's in round five, two rounds after being knocked down twice, he says, he asked Rob McCracken, what did he land? What did he hit me with? Mm. Two rounds after. And he was like a left hook. And like, there was this ongoing conversations between them in the corners, between McCracken. Uh, and Joshua, and it was like the most basic questions that you shouldn't have to tell a fighter. You know, yeah. what do I do? What do I land? Just jab, just jab, you know. And McCracken, I don't care what you say, who's giving him criticism, in the corner, he told him exactly what to do. Don't hook, don't look for the hook, don't look for the hooks. Just keep it straight, keep it long. There was no, That's I all he, he had to do. I know, he, I agree with that, but he was telling him what not to do, but he wasn't telling him exactly what to do. And when you're you're hurt and not thinking straight, you should have been giving him exa exact uh, techniques of what you should be doing or where Ruiz has fallen short. And he didn't really do that. Granted, Joshua's been told not, what not to do, but he was walking out going, I'm not supposed to hook, I'm not supposed... You know what I mean? I thought he should have been a bit clearer in terms of offensively rather than defensively. I presume they were just trying to stay alive in the fight and maybe take over at the end, but... Never got the chance, but just a quick, a couple of quick points on the on the new heavyweight champ. We mentioned their good amateur pedigree and a lot of pro pedigree as well. Like Ferrer, obviously the Cuban coach. Then he was with um, Freddie Roach for a little while, and then he was with um, he's obviously with Manny Robles now. So they were Sanchez, they Sanchez yeah. for a little while. Why did they get rid of him? They don't get rid of him. Like right. tennis, they could be the opposite. He could get rid of them. You know, it's like. Yeah, you know, well, I, I don't think so. But the first Freddie Roach had yeah. uh, Chavez for a little while, and yeah. when he kept turning up out of shape, he, Freddie Roach was like, oh, I'm done with this guy. But uh, like, he mightn't look physically fit, but cardiovascularly, he's after fighting a few weeks ago against a guy with a similar stature to Joshua, so he's prepared, he's got his eye in, and then he's coming back to back camps. So he's, been, he's actually had a great preparation for this, and we saw against Parker, which was a high paced fight. He, he was in there right at the end and he, he arguably won the back end of that fight so just because he doesn't look the part and we mentioned powered by Snickers but he um, he might he just has a layer of protection over himself he's actually not unfit what, what do you get into do you guys get into any of these rumours that Joshua had a panic attack before the fight well the panic attack one he released a video there on his own I've YouTube channel I've seen that he, he that one specifically he said I've never suffered with them but there's other stuff like uh, which people were talking about on the night and you don't want to put too much stock because it could easily be nonsense, but just that he was hurt badly in sparring, that his dad didn't want him to take the fight. And you saw the exchange between his dad and Eddie Heron in the ring, which I don't know if that was why it was, they were having it, but it was definitely significant that the two lads were having a bit of a spat on live television. But yeah, Eddie Heron himself was at pains to say nothing went wrong, but what has gone wrong is the, the grand plan. And we mentioned I think, yeah. Mike Costello said the grenade in the heavyweight division. And... 
the Wilder Fury fights are, are dead in the water as things stand. But we saw with Mayweather Pacquiao, most famously, that uh, they tried to marinate it for so long, and then Pacquiao did get beaten. He got beaten off Tim Bradley. Granted, that was very contentious, but he got knocked out by Marquez. And yet, as time passed, the fight built up again, and it still, it still it made more money than it, it ever would have. It was an awful fight, though. It was, of course, it was about five years too late. Commercially speaking, I I was thinking after the fight though, what everyone's saying, oh, you know, that's the end of Joshua and Wilder. But is this not a case where Joshua now probably has less time in terms of what's left in his pro career that he mightn't have many fights left? So if he wants to get a big payday, like a big massive payday, he's got to take Wilder or Fury in the next couple of fights, or. If you're Eddie Hearn, you're thinking, there's no way we're putting them in with Wilder. If you see what Ruiz Jr. did to him, imagine what Wilder would do if he landed one of those right hands. Mm. Mm -hmm. I think like Eddie Hearn's reaction in the interviews, he was fully aware of, yeah, fully aware of what the loss meant to, to all of them, to Sky, to the zone, to Joshua, to his, to his selling power. Like, it's a huge loss in terms of, in that side of things, in terms of, Selling yourself to America, your first, your debut there on the on the platform, you're supposed to be like the the flag bearer for the zone, and then you win against Andy Ruiz and get beat, and not only get beat, you get humiliated. You don't say it was because it wasn't like it was a slug fight. It was it was a slug fight. It wasn't like it was a a back and forth fight because one day he goes down in the third round. It's like it's only going one way. It only seems that way. He yeah. never covers. Never. And it's it's a huge blow in that sense. And Eddie Hearn's reaction, you could see that there was a, he was he was angry, and you could see that he was that he fully knew, even if Joshua didn't know. Mm. And like I'm not sure, like I'm not sure, and I don't I don't wish it on him that that he kind of realised what's happened. It, like the reality will sink in in time, but um, he just like by by all accounts, the rematch is going to be the rematch call is going to be activated, and yeah. he'll November, get his December. chance. Get well, his chance. We, we saw Lewis against McCauley came back, righted that wrong straight away. But, as but we what was the difference? Totally different fight. What like. was the, the difference in those fights? Emmanuel Stewart trained Oliver McCall for the first fight, yeah. and then trained Lennox for the second fight. Yeah. And also, McCall had a like had a mental breakdown. Yeah. Yeah. Second, I don't don't think Andy Ruiz will ever do that. No, definitely not. The only thing Joshua can do is is change. He can ch not be so upright. Try to be a little bit more three-dimensional. If he has to December to, to to do that, then he can make those adjustments. Kind of try to sit a bit lower on his legs, and take away his own height, mm. so that he's punching similar at a similar level. Um, not all the time, but sometimes, and use his jab without, like, use his jab without committing to it, and just see. But like, Ruiz is Ruiz will be very confident, I think, and uh, in a rematch. Yeah, I saw him on Jimmy Kimmel. Uh, I didn't overnight. see it, but I just see the video of him going to Jimmy Kimmel. He's very confident. Where he yeah. got the uh, where Jimmy Kimmel sent him a limo, and he was like, "Yeah, he's such a lovely guy." He was just like, "Ah, oh, Jimmy, bless me with a limo." <laughs> <laughs> you know? There was one. There was a there was a video. It was so funny. I'm sure, I'm sure you've seen. Like Sky Sports got him after the fight. The next morning, he's outside the hotel. There was a guy in Irish rugby jersey behind him. See that one? Yeah. And he was like, "Sky, I think it was Fraser Dayton was saying like." Can you believe this? He's still pinching himself. Has it set in? He's like, no, maybe tomorrow. <laughs> and it was just like the sweetest little line. It's like it's like a child, you know. Uh, it's so beautiful. It's heavy with champ. Yeah. Um, By the way, how would Ruiz Jr. do against Wilder or Fury? 
I think Wilder, it might be a similar fight, it's just Wilder. What do you think happens if, like, you know, Al Heyman's such a... I'm sorry, sorry to cut over you. Yeah, go on, answer that know, question. What do you think happens, like, I just if that fight actually happens, if Al Heyman actually, like, manoeuvres things where it's Wilder and now Ruiz and they don't, they get out with the, the rematch with Joshua. Yeah, I think I think the rematch will happen, but if he beats Joshua again, it's it's straight to the bank for Al Heyman because he's just going to make the undisputed fight and it's all PBC. Yeah. That could be a huge one. But just on AJ, like, inactivity... Um, it's something I brought up last week and like from a very early point in his career he's been a two fight a year fighter and it's very I don't know how sitting in your career you got into that mode Andy but he was in his mid-twenties when he started becoming two mm. fight a year and he's still learning like the dearth of amateur experience he's learning on the job as a pro he was world champion against Charles Martin and against Dominic Brazil he was still trying out new things so where he goes from here I just think he needs to get busier and then if he wins this fight... He has to have the rematch, though. He's kind of in a tough place. Yeah. Where's that uh, going to be? It looks like the UK. Like, they couldn't wait to the get back to the His fights are such events, aren't they? You know, he's, he's a victim of his own success. So it's like he can't go off and have a fight in a small venue on an undercard because of who he is. He has to fight at Wembley. Mm. In November... You can't have a Wembley fight in November, December. Probably beat Cardiff. But uh, we were kind of wondering what he was going to do if he had a beaten Ruiz. Like, there was talk of Pula, but that's a bit of a... A yawn for everybody, but at least this is a marketable, this is a good fight that people are going to be excited about. And um, I went to Jimmy's Corner on your recommendation, Andy, and all the posters of spot, heavyweight champs that had been beaten and came back. So maybe he can follow in that lineage and maybe this could be the making of him rather than... I think the Lennox Lewis was pitching for the job. Maybe. Well, Lennox, they have a weird sort of dynamic. It's as if, I think, Lewis tried to sign him out of the Olympics as his promoter and then it just... Uh, Kind of went up. He did have David Price at one stage. Remember that? Yeah. Remember Lennox Lewis was having David Price? Mm. Yeah. That that would have been the the Maloney connection. Mm. Yeah. So we should probably just uh, rattle through the rest of the card. It was absolutely brilliant card. In fairness, um, what time did nobody you get there? Expected, by the way. Like, Callum really Smith, <laughs> Smith, chief support. It was kind of the most routine win of the night. What a night for him! He's fantastic. The scouts. He's mm. probably the best UK fighter, is he? At the moment. It's hard to argue with that. No, it's hard to argue with like, that. And Dam's not uh, something special at super middleweight. Um, had been a good operator at middleweight, obviously. But Smith just dismissed any threat and was brilliant in each round. Like uh, It was almost a punch-perfect performance. And you just kind of hope he can get a good fight at super middleweight before he has to grow out of that division. Yes, yeah, it was clinical. Clinical. Yeah, and I'd say Canelo looked at it and was like, no, no thanks. <laughs> yeah, it's right. That, that right hand that finished it was, was class. And he's, his defense is really tight as well. Yeah. Um, I know like he's got a quite high defense, and that's how Canelo got the better of Rocky Fielding, but he, he wouldn't, different, be, different yeah, animals, he wouldn't so. be able to do that to, to Callum Smith. One of the competitive fights, which we also earmarked last week, that it was, it was no gimme for Josh Kelly, and it certainly wasn't. Often when the B side fighter gets a draw, it normally suggests the B side fighter won. It was a lot. It was a lot closer than people are making it. It was another one where people were crying robbery, but it wasn't. Like it was a really close fight. And um, Kelly again, it's something we said about after his last fight. He just needs to throw more punches. Like it's all well and good making your opponent miss, but you need to. What you'll see for it, like, and even with Joshua, when you go to America, the standard is much higher than what's in Britain and in Europe because of the competitive gyms and how they're trained from kids as pros. Yeah. They're doing three-minute rounds as kids in the gym and they're fighting and sparring with pros all the time. Mm. And, like, all that stuff that Josh does, that flashy stuff, Ray Robinson's seen that so many times. He's, he's seen it every day of the week, you know what I mean? And 
Um, I, I fought Josh won the fight. I, fought, I, I had it... How did I have it? I had it 5-3 with two draws. Now, draws around, uh, whatever. Mm. But I still thought Josh Kelly won the fight. Um, but he has to... He kind of has to get a bit more consistent with himself. If he had a jab, if he, had a, if he just used a jab, he didn't jab really a lot in that fight. <clears throat> You get more consistent with basic boxing, and then mix in the the flashy stuff. But what a learn like a learn fight, and Ray Robinson would be a lot of fighters. I think. Yeah. I think I lost second I fight in a row where he's kind of been like, I yeah. probably he's starting. I think it's only the champions that like, or like the top fighters will will beat him because he's a. You can't really say he's made a name for himself because he's got the most famous name <laughs> in boxing. But uh, just a point made by Shane McGuigan that if you're going to have this sort of high twitch one-punch style, you need to have knockout power, and Kelly doesn't quite have that, so he just needs to modify things, start putting combinations together, and he should be fine. Um, in terms of uh, the opening of the televised portion of the card, Tommy Coyle against Chris Algieri delivered what it promised. Coyle hurt him early in the fight, but Algieri, he might, he might look like he does all this modelling and stuff, and he's got this nutrition background and a smart guy, but he's actually a tough uh, MF, right? he yeah. gets stuck in, and, and he broke Tommy down, and or um, compassionate from um, Jamie Moore who knows a thing or two about being in the trenches and he even thought I don't want to see my guy calls. perfect call and they've got a familial sort of link it's like yeah there's a nice picture of them in the hospital together and kind of just how Tommy Coyle just said you know the, he's obviously a trainer and a friend that he's here he, he's here with me he cares about me yeah you wouldn't have blamed him saying, look, I'm going to watch it. Uh, no, Jamie Walker is going to miss the best fight in, in, yeah. in years, <laughs> sitting in a hospital with you. Uh, but, uh, like I'm saying, that goes back to the point. The standard in America is much higher. The standard, like, it's a different level when you get over there, so you have to prepare for that. Yeah. And while all this was going on in New York, uh, Stephen Ormond had another, another tough night at the office, and... Uh, by all accounts, another... I didn't see it now, but yeah. No, it's we'll, we'll, have to, we'll have to catch up with Stephen, hopefully, in the next few weeks. But like I say, look at the difference in Joshua. Like, if Stephen Owen was in the position Joshua was in, how do you think he'd react to being dropped? He'd get up and he'd fight yeah. his heart out. Yeah. But one of the... It's just, you know, the realities of, of being a pro, isn't it? Yeah. I was going to gloss over the fact that Golovkin's fighting this week, but after what happened last week, we should probably just mention that he's fighting uh, Steve Rolls, so... Steve Rolls. A little, bit of, a little bit of Cronk heritage there, Andy. Yeah. It can pay dividends. Jonathan Banks, of course, is in Golovkin's corner. So it'll be interesting. Uh, strange, not a strange one, but convenient one for Golovkin to pick Banks as a trainer and, and a convenient opponent, Steve Rolls. To get him back, we'll get rolled. Yeah. yeah. And also Oscar Valdez, who might be coming very much onto the horizon of Irish boxing again with Carl Frampton. That looks like a fight that's being primed for the end of the year. So... Uh, Still a lot more boxing this weekend. Mightn't be quite as dramatic as what just went down, but we'll just leave it for we we'll leave it there for this week, lads. Uh, thanks for coming in. Just before we go, you have the the program there. I do, yeah. From Saturday night. Oh yeah, just a bit of team signed by Katie Taylor. Didn't want to be unprofessional and start getting pictures with her, but she was signing programs for the for the Irish media, so I just thought I'd get one of them. But also there was a. Um under under the junior team did well, amateur team did yeah. well, and the Europeans. I know Mike Stoney who won a gold medal, and a couple of others. There was a girl there who won a gold medal, so I think they had five medals from from the team. So congratulations to them. Yeah. What about just Joe Ward? Talk to today that Joe Ward is going to turn pro. Yeah, that's well, a story, and like it, it's a story that Kevin Byrne is reporting on in the Irish Sun. And Kevin was obviously the reporter that broke the Katie Taylor story going pro a few years ago, twenty five. You know, has won everything in amateur boxing except an Olympic medal. 
But it's, so, it's the uncertainty around the, as Olympic boxing stands at the moment that um, they're just not sure. Like it's probably the safer bet at this point in time just to... Look at Michael Conlon going like, he hung around and look what happened to him in Rio. Yeah. Just get out. It is a big commitment. The Olympic cycle is a big commitment. So you'd want to be fairly sure you're going to qualify. So we'll, we'll leave it there for this week, lads. Thanks a lot uh, to everyone for tuning in and we'll chat to you next week. <laughs>